0: this, and again, he entered Capernaum, that's being Jesus, and after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Somebody say in the house. Come on, somebody help. You remember that show? LL Cool J. It was a really good show. I'm so mad I got canceled. Anyway, Jesus was in the house. Focus, preacher. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Come on, somebody say four men. Baltimore. Somebody say four men. Not three. Not two. four of them. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, somebody say breakthrough. Breakthrough. That they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that we're standing here. God, because you've made a way, you move mountains. God, you heal bodies. God, you bring breakthrough. God, we thank you that you're in this moment right now, whether we're sitting in our living room or we're sitting in a church building. God, you have a miracle with our name on it. So, God, we're leaning in with anxious anticipation to see what you have to say to us. Speak through me in this moment. In the majesty's name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. We are uh, starting a brand new series today called It's complicated. It's complicated. Every February, we pause and we take time to preach on relationships. We've been doing this for the last 10 years, and I don't know why it is this way, but our relationship series is by far always the favorite series of Destiny Church. Y'all like talking about relationships more than you like talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't know how I feel about it as a pastor like that. I don't know if that's where we need to be, but that's just where we are. And I was kind of just thinking, why is this the most viewed, most shared, most invited series of the year? And it just struck me partially because it's just hilarious and awkward. If you've ever been to a Destiny Church series on relationships, there is no telling what you are going to hear. We are going to talk about sex in church, and that's just weird, and that's awkward. I'm a grown man with two kids, and I'm still waiting on the talk from my dad about the birds and the bees. It's just, it's coming in church. It's not coming at home. You love this series because this is where I get to tell your husband what you wish you could tell him. You're going to make this message. I said, give it to him, or, or, or your wife. And... Don't worry, I won't disappoint. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a go right for it. It's also a series, I think, because some people think that, man, if Pastor preaches this right, then I'll be able to ask her out. This is my moment. I'm going to shoot my shot. I got. Do y'all know Destiny Church is known for having single women? Like, literally, I can't tell you how many guys, y'all got women at a church? Okay, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm going to check it out. You might be, That's real messed up, Pastor. Well, at least they're not looking at the club. You got a lot better shot of finding a good woman in church than you do at the club. I can't tell you how many people say the only reason I'm at this church is because of relationship. My boyfriend brought me or my girlfriend brought me. I didn't even really want to come to church, but they dragged me and said, if they're going to love me, they got to love Jesus. And we actually broke up, but I fell in love with Jesus in the meantime, so I'm here to stay. I don't know what it is, but there's something about relationships that it's just entertaining. We love to talk about them. I think another reason why it's our favorite series is because relationships are just an area where everybody hurts at some point in your life. Why is it that relationships are so painful? It may be with a spouse, it may be with a child, or there's a strange relationship or a loved one, it may be with a friend, or maybe it's just the fact that I don't have the relationships in my life that I wish I did. I feel like I'm there for everybody else. I feel like I have everybody else's back, but when it comes time for somebody to have my back, there's just nobody there. But for some reason, that's where a lot of our pain rests. And hear me, wherever your pain is, is where Jesus is. The Bible says that He is close to the brokenhearted. And you have to believe me, God has an answer for every single relational problem that you face. You have a 100% chance of success if you decide, I'm gonna do it God's way. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. I, I can't tell you why relationships are so complicated, they're convoluted. I have a couple of guesses. I think one of the reasons why relationships are so complicated is because of this guy. I'm like that, that, that uh, grouch. I'm, I'm just a little bit mashed up. And so are you. Part of the reason why they're complicated is because we've got issues. Another reason why it's so complicated is because the person you're in a relationship with, they've got issues. Don't say amen. Don't nod. Just look straight ahead. Another reason why relationships are so complicated. Because those people who raised you called your parents they'd have messed you up <laughs> they had issues and then life is just ugh, it's a lot it's stressful here's what i'm trying to say there is really no one reason why a relationship is contentious it's complicated You ever seen two people arguing and they're they're just emphatic that they are right and they know that they're right so they're not letting any ground down, like I know that I'm right? You can have two people in an argument and they have completely different views and they're arguing their view and they can both be right. And Here's why. Because there's never one factor to a problem. It's always multiple issues and things that are going on that are creating that issue. So for the next four weeks, we're going to try to uncomplicate Some of the relationships in our life, how do I get it to a place where it's back to being simple, where it's working again? Now, unlike normal series, we're not going to spend the entire four weeks on romance. It's not going to be like sex today and communication next week and marriage a week after that and all that other good stuff. Next week, we will be talking about romantic relationships because it's a Valentine's Day on a Sunday. Like, how often does that happen? So you can start your whole date plans and all that kind of stuff started in church. You have a better chance of it being a good day if you started with Jesus. But we're going to dive into, what about our relationship with our kids? How do we raise godly children? So many of us were pursuing that blindly, not knowing what God's word says. And then we're going to end this series out. The last week, I'm going to help you figure out what the biggest issue in all of your relationships are, which is you. Oh, tough crowd. It really is you. Yeah, you ever thought this? Every relationship in my life, there is one common denominator in them all, and that's me. They, they don't even know each other, but they all know me. <laughs> and if I have an issue in two and the other seven are great, then it's those two people. But if all of them are just, ugh, it's this guy. But today, I want to unpack and I want to start off just talking about friendships. Talking about the people that God has placed in our lives for a particular purpose. In this passage that we're reading in Mark chapter 2, we find a somewhat popular story about a man who was paralyzed. This man had four friends. Somebody say four friends. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody say four friends. He had four friends, and somehow they heard that Jesus was in a house. And they said, if we can just get you to the house where Jesus is, I know that he can do something about your situation. Let me digress for a second. My prayer, Baltimore County, is that you would become a place that the community knows that Jesus is in that house. Come on, Columbia. My prayer is that this building would become a place that is known in the community that Jesus is in the house. And I don't know what you're looking for out there. You may not be able to find hope or healing or freedom out there. But if you could just get in the house, everything you're looking for is found in that house. I don't know if you realize this, but there's not a lot of places that you can go and find hope right now. There's not a lot of places you can find and go go and find joy right now. The best thing going on in America right now is GameStop. When GameStop is the best thing happening in your country, you know we is in trouble, people. We need Jesus. In the house. Found out that Jesus was in the house and these four friends, they, they carried that paralyzed man. Bible doesn't tell us how long they carried him. Could be a mile, could be two miles, could be three blocks. But when they finally got to the house, instead of relief, we can now bring them to Jesus. They were faced with discouragement. And they found out that their journey had just begun because the house was so packed that you literally could not get in. People surrounding the house. Reminds me of Destiny Church pre-pandemic when we had like 100 people in the lobby and everybody's standing. You're just sitting up in a chair. and You're like, oh gosh, I can't even write notes right now. It was packed out. Here's the thought that crossed my mind. What type of friends that when they see an insurmountable barrier have the idea Let's climb on the roof and cut a hole. Like, what kind of messed up people think it is okay to scale somebody's roof, to vandalize property, just to get that friend to Jesus? And I have a simple question for you today. Do you have four people in your life that are so loyal and committed to you that they would carry you to your breakthrough in Jesus? regardless of the barrier that stands in the way. I don't need you to open your Bible. I don't need, I, you, you probably could just figure out by scrolling through your text messages. Do you have four people that are so committed to God and so committed to you that they will carry you through any situation over any barrier just to get you to the feet of Jesus because I feel like in the society, 2021, because of social media and all this other kind of stuff, we are more connected than we have ever been before. We have thousands of people that are following us on Instagram and their Instagram friends, which I still don't know. Is that real or not? You ever have somebody walk up to you like, I follow you on Instagram. And you're like, cool. What does that mean? Are we friends? Are we not? Are we cool? Where does this go from here? We got half of people on Facebook that we've been stalking since middle school. Are you still single? Are you still single? Are you still single? Just checking, need a backup plan. now everybody got a TikTok and they think they could dance. If you couldn't dance before you had a camera and before you had a spotlight, what makes you think now you can? <laughs> That's not dancing. And now everybody got a clubhouse. I've been waiting my whole life. I've been telling my dad, I want a clubhouse. clubhouse. I'm a grown man, moved out. I finally got me a clubhouse. We out there talking about the same foolishness we were talking about in Periscope. It's the same thing, just with a different name. It's going to be gone in like 15 minutes. We're more connected than we have ever been in society, but yet more isolated than we have ever been. Because if I need somebody to jump in a clubhouse with me, or do people Snapchat anymore? I'm just, I'm, I, just I decided Instagram's all that I can understand, and everything else, I'm going to leave it to Jesus. But we have all these people we can touch. But what happens when life hits? Like, let's not talk about a storm. Let's talk about a victory. What happens when you get that promotion that raises your income 35%? And you pick up your phone trying to figure out who would be happy for me and not jealous of me. You put your phone back in your pocket because you don't have four people that you can text. Even people with your same last name that would be as happy for you as if it was their own victory. I find most people, our life looks like one of two scenarios. I got got some friends. Friends, can y'all come help me? I've just decided today that I am going to be a paralytic. All right, all right. Pray for your pastor because I'm not paralyzed right now, but if this goes wrong, I could be. All right, all right. We in there? We good? Got all these different people. And here's the problem sometimes as we read scripture. It's hard to contextualize because we read it so literally. So we see someone who's paralyzed and we're like, oh, I'm so glad you had friends but got nothing to do with me because my two feet, Lord, I don't need anybody to carry me. Not realizing that most of our paralysis doesn't happen physically, it happens emotionally. Most of us, it's not my legs that are broken, it's my hope that is broken. It's so not my leg that's broken. It's my vision for the future, the vision for the destiny that God has for me. And we find ourselves kind of like this. I got a whole bunch of people around me, and we would consider ourselves friends. I met you at a work conference like, what, three years ago? We kind of just hit it off. And, you know, we've just been connecting, vacation together. We were flirting on words with friends like 12 years ago. And I just figured, hey, let me just, am I the one that flirted on words with friends? Is that a pastor thing? Or maybe it is. All right. Keep preaching. Go on. All right, back to the message. <laughs> He's my golfing buddy. He, by the way, he can't play golf to save his life. If it was like make this putt or die, I'll see you. in. <laughs> pray for your pastor. But we have all these people around us, and so here's what happens when you preach a message like this: people get offended because they're like, Pastor, what are you talking about? I got friends. I got coworkers, I got people, I could borrow money from them, they ain't even gonna make me pay it back. I got people. You have people. You may have people that can carry you to a club. They ain't got no problem carrying you for some drinks. But do you have four people that can carry you to the feet of Jesus? Let me tell you something, me tell you something I, mean. I got people that can carry me on a guilt trip. Like, <laughs> they're travel agents for guilt trips. I have people that can carry me away in offense. They can carry me away in anger. You want to cuss somebody out? I'm going to cuss them out for you. I tell them trifling. We have people that can carry us, but can they carry us to the feet of Jesus through any breakthrough to the point where we accomplish all that God's called us to accomplish? Wait, see, I, I met him at a work conference like three years ago, and he loves Jesus. Like he goes to church in his city. So, would you mind carrying me to G? What? Come on now. You, you're a friend with a word from God. Could you? Could you? I didn't even tell you what I needed. My man. Hey yo, it's been golf, man. I just need to talk. Yeah, I can't even remember. That's fine, because I don't even know where I met you anyway. Keep walking. <laughs> when we look around, we're surrounded by people, but we're not surrounded by loyal covenant friends that can actually carry us to the feet of Jesus. I, I, I preached a message series, this is probably about five years ago, and it was called This Doesn't Apply to Me. And the whole idea of this message series is most people listen to a message from the lens of that's not my issue. That's not my problem. And that's why 50% of this room right now is saying amen. Because your amen is, pastor, you better tell them. Tell them they broke, busted, and disgusted, and all their friends are ratchet. Tell them they ain't like me. I got a covenant friend, pastor. Boy, we got saved freshman year, filled with the Holy Ghost sophomore year, and we've been loving Jesus together. I got a covenant friend. Yeah, you got one. And guess what I've discovered one covenant friend can't carry me nowhere. Would you mind? What? One of you people? Can you? Can you carry me to Jesus? Whoa! 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 Trying to kill me? You may have one person to encourage you, but we're not talking about encouragement. We're talking about carrying you to breakthrough. Don't worry, I got two. And the Bible says that two people are better than one, and a three-strand cord is not easily broken. I got two. Y'all mind carrying me to Jesus? Could you, could you, could you, could you, could you help me out? And I remind you, I'm not paralyzed right now, and if you could keep it that way. Y'all praying for your pastor? Oh, here we go to Jesus. All right, put me down. Here's the thing. Two people can carry me like two feet. But one of the things that we don't realize is breakthrough takes a lot longer than we think it does. I'm not asking, can you, do you have someone that can encourage you on your off day? The day that you're just thinking about, it's not a great day. I'm talking about the type of people that can carry you through three surgeries and rehab and can encourage you for six months after that, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's still a healer and your greatest days are still ahead of you and not behind you. It says it took four men to carry that guy to the feet of Jesus. Four biblically represents the world, the four corners of, you can survive with two friends. But you will never fulfill your world-changing destiny unless you have multiple people around you that are committed to you and committed to God and are willing to carry you to your, and actually know how to get there. I'll be honest with you, it's discouraging when we begin to think, who is it that is as committed to my destiny as I am? I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Baltimore, are you still with me? I'm going to give you three thoughts of why is it so complicated to find people that are committed to carrying me to my breakthrough. The first thought is this. One of the reasons why it's so complicated is because we have a problem being a burden. One of the reasons why it's so difficult and so complicated to find people that would carry us, it's not them, it's me. I don't like being a burden to people. My name is Stephen Chandler. I'm your pastor, and I've got issues. And one of my issues is accepting help. I love to help people. I just get really uncomfortable when people help me. And because I don't have four hours to r- preach this message, can I just get to the point? It's because I'm prideful. I don't like looking weak. I don't like looking like I don't have it all together. Why am I talking about me? Because as I throw myself under the bus, I'm dragging every last one of y'all with me because y'all are the same jacked up people as I am. We just don't like looking like we don't have it together. So, when, I mean... And I have employees. It, it could be as simple as me walking to my car with 15 bags. So he said, Pastor, can I help you? No. I got it. What is wrong? Why can't you just let somebody help you? I grew up in a house, you may have heard this, I'm one of five siblings, there's five of us, an older sister and three younger siblings, and then my parents always had somebody that was living with us, our house was a party from non-stop, nine to five, it was lit, you will not meet a quiet Chandler, because our whole lives are just loud, my wife on the other hand, it was her and her sister, and she grew up in kind of a small said, Stephen, why don't you like, you don't really have a lot of friends, I'm like, well, because I grew up with friends everywhere. I have friends in the buck bed ahead of me. I have friends next to me. I have friends sharing my toothbrush. I grew up with enough friends, okay? Anybody in the big family, you just kind of, can I get some quiet? Just some me time. And I, I, grew up, I grew up in an amazing home, one of those homes that people dream about. My mom cooked dinner every single night, and when she didn't cook, my dad cooked. And we would set the table, and often nights we would sit and have dinner as a family. My mom would prepare a plate for my dad. There was just five of us, y'all. So there was just some practicality things that just wasn't going to happen. You ain't going to prepare a plate for all five of your kids. My mom didn't say it, but as you would think this, you got hands, they ain't broke. So the mashed potatoes would going to the center of the table. The chicken is right there. You've, I just kind of, it's a big family thing. I just grew up self-sufficient. So I can make my own plate. I can cook. I can do dishes. I can, I can do laundry. I can iron better than you can iron. I know how to do it. You know, darks and lights and and, and downy. I got this covered. But then I married a woman that came from a home where the wife honors the husband by preparing a plate, and she's actually sitting right here, so I'm going to preach over here. So for like the first three years of our marriage, I'd come home, dinner is cooked, and she's preparing my plate, and I'm literally fighting her for the plate. And I'm like, no, some of y'all are like, I wish my wife would make me a plate. I'm sitting here like, well, I didn't like when my wife made me a play because it made me uncomfortable. I felt like a burden. And I, I, I could do it. I, I'm here wrestling over honor. How dumb am I? But yet here we are just saying, man, I don't, I don't like being a burden. I've been pastoring for years, and I'll tell you this, it's, it's not easy being a pastor. There's warfare. There's battles. You know, people like, oh, you're in control. No, 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 no. Here's what I am. I'm standing between the enemy and the church. And as a spiritual covering for this house, it's the enemy's job to go through me before he gets to any of y'all. Y'all, that's a lot. I'll tell you, there's just days where I'm exhausted, days where I'm just overwhelmed and I'm grateful. Actually, seven years ago, one of my overseers came and preached a message like this. Do you have three people in your corner? I actually stole his message for Welcome Home Sunday, but that's a different story for a different day. He preached it and I realized I didn't have three people in my corner. So for the last seven years, I've been praying and investing for covenant relationships. And God has brought them into my life. And even to this day when I call them, I will be on a five-minute conversation, and I'm being super transparent to help somebody. And in five minutes, I will apologize five different times for being a burden. Man, I'm so sorry. I'm, I know there's a lot that's going on. And, and, and you, 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 have, you ever needed encouragement, but you keep on trying to change the subject? Yeah, yeah, my world is falling apart. But how are you doing, man? How's it going? How's the kids? And they're like, no, no, I'm good. What is it about us, Baltimore, that we just don't like being a burden? Here's what I know for a fact, Destiny Church. What you see, what God has done through my life, it's not just because I'm gifted. It's not just because I'm anointed. It's because I've had people that have carried me through storms, that have carried me through breakthrough and brought me to the feet of Jesus. I don't know why, but I just feel like today I need to honor some of those people. So just here are some of my friends that have carried me through things. First and foremost is Zai Chandler. She has carried me. Sometimes she's pushed me. Other times she's kicked me. Like this morning, you go, go out and preach in that snow. But she's carried me. For eight years, Pastor Josh Cannizzaro, Pastor Rashad Shabazz, my brother-in-law, Pastor Marcus England, Pastor Wayne Brown, Pastor Larry Kirk, Pastor Casey Hennigan, Pastor Chris Hodges, Pastor Jimmy Rollins, Pastor Damon and Temi Pope have carried me. And I would not be here if I didn't, and I'm still working, get over myself and be okay with not being okay and allowing somebody to go, do you know if you don't share your burdens, you're keeping other people from being Christians? Because part of being a Christian, Baltimore, is carrying each other's burdens. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, help each other's, help carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will follow Christ's teaching. That's why this Lone Ranger Christian, all I got is me and King Jesus. I don't need no one else. It's not biblical. You can't be a faithful follower of God by yourself. There's about 60% of the New Testament that you cannot fulfill without another person. Part of it is saying, hey, you need to carry each other's burdens. One of the reasons why we don't like to share our burdens is because we've carried other people's burdens. And we know how much drama-filled anxiety that person has dropped on our life. And we know how we judge them. And we're like, I don't want anybody to look at me the way, come on. Everybody has that one friend that has not had one good day in their entire life. Every time you tell them, like, Eeyore, let me tell you what happened today. The world is coming to an end. And you're like, I am not gonna be that person, so I'm gonna pretend like. But here's the thing we have a, a non biblical definition of carrying burdens. I was thinking about this analogy, and it would not work in 2021 because nobody actually picks up groceries anymore. Everybody gets on your app and somebody else carries them to your doorstep. But let's say this is like 1987, back when old ladies and old men would take groceries in the house and someone would actually help them. You can't do that today. You see somebody struggling. Hey, can I help you? Like, no, psst, get away. <laughs> That's 2021. But back in the day, we're in Mulberry. And imagine you're walking by someone's house and they're struggling with groceries. Into Hey, can I help you? And they like, say, yeah, thanks so much. That's so sweet. Would you like to come in and get some cookies? If I grab this person's groceries, and I take it into the house, and I put it on their kitchen table, I have carried their burdens. Somebody say amen. Amen. If I grab that person's groceries, and their door in their kitchen is that way, and I go this way, I put them in my car, I get in my car, and I drive off. I have now stolen that person's burdens. Some of us, when we say we're carrying someone's burdens, what we've actually done is we've stolen that person's burdens. We've taken on their offense as if it were our offense. We've taken on their anxiety and their worry as if it's ours. We've taken their burdens as our own and we've held on to them. Here's what it biblically means to carry someone's burdens. You take them to the feet of Jesus and you drop them there. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So because we have this misunderstanding of caring, no, 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 we're not asking are you going to find someone who's going to be depressed with you for the next 12 months. No, we're asking do you have someone that can carry your depression to the joy of the Lord and allow God to do what only he can do. I need people in my life that can carry my sin to the cross of Jesus Christ. For so many of us, we do one of two things. We either hide our sin. Or we share it with what I call sympathizers. Man, I'm sorry, man. I'm struggling, man. I just got anger. I just cut somebody out. You too? Man, that happened to me yesterday, man. I let them have it. <laughs> Listen to me. That's not grace. We have this jacked up, warped mindset of what grace is. We think grace is pretending like sin ain't sin. It's not what grace is. Can not tell you what grace is? Grace is looking sin in the eye and saying, God wants that from you. God's not disgusted by that. He actually desires to take that off of you. Matter of fact, come. Let me carry you to the feet of Jesus so that he can trade that for his mercy. I don't need friends that's going to let me wallow in my mistakes. I need friends that know how to take my sin to the cross. I need friends that know how to take my brokenness to the word of God. Because the Bible says he sent his word to heal I need friends that know how to take my insecurity to the Father because that's where my identity comes from. And when I'm tripping and thinking that my influence is based on how many people follow me or how much my net worth is, I have people in my life that can remind me, no, 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 you are a child of the Most High God, and that is where your identity comes from. I need friends that can carry my fear to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid to start this business because the last one failed. No, fear is not your portion. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I need people that know how to carry my burdens. And I have to be willing to let it go. I just, I just had a prophetic picture. Some of y'all have given your burdens to people who don't know what to do with them. And you need to snatch. I'm sorry, you've had these long enough and you ain't taking them to Jesus. So I'm going to go find me Somebody who knows how to take my burdens to Jesus. Here's the second reason why it's so complicated to find people that can carry us to Jesus because oh, we don't really think that we're broken. I, I, I was driving a car probably about five weeks ago, and, and I drive, I, I, I believe I'm a biblical driver. I like to say that I drive like Jehu. If you ever read the Bible, the Bible says that Jehu drove like a madman. I believe that God put a gas pedal in a car and he put the floor to stop the gas pedal. So until that gas pedal hits the floor, keep pressing. I feel like the reason why I change my brakes every time is because it was there to stop the car. So I, I, drive, I drive with purpose, with intentionality, with vision, with urgency. That's what I tell the officer every time they pull me over but I was just driving a car probably about five weeks ago and I was just driving intentionally like I always do and I I, I floored it, I had some place to go. And when I floored it, I heard this rattling in the back of the car. And I don't know if you've had as sketchy a past with cars as I have, but I've spent a lot of my destiny on the side of the road waiting for a tow truck to come and get me to continue on and what God's called me to do. So as soon as I heard that rattling, if you've ever had car trouble, you know there's just this nauseous pit in your stomach where you're like, I had financial plans in 2021 and fixing this car was not one of them. And I'm just like, oh. After driving for a little bit, the noise went away. I got to where I was going, I did what I had to do, I jumped back in the car, I drove like Jehu again, and I heard the rattling again, and I'm just like, oh, God, heal my car. <laughs> I park into the garage, I get in the next day, next day, y'all, I heard nothing. It was a miracle. He heals bodies, he heals transmissions, it's, he's a healing God. Why are you laughing at me? There is nothing that my God cannot do. That's why your car's still broke, because you don't believe in him. <laughs> I drove the car for the next three weeks, not an issue, not a problem. About three weeks after that, Zai comes in the house and she says, Stephen, did you hear that rattling in the car? Long story short, I take the car into the mechanic. Y'all, the axle was bent. Mechanic was like, man, I'm glad you brought this in. If you had waited any longer, this could have been a catastrophe. And I said, "I don't understand, because sometimes when I drove the car, I heard the rallying, and other times when I drove, there was no issues." He said, "Here's the deal. This problem only shows up at certain velocities. Wow. Can we let a mechanic preach for a second? There's certain brokenness that only shows up in particular environments, in particular circumstances. It takes a particular offense for that brokenness to be exposed. It takes a particular stress or a particular season. And because we're able to drive through life for a season, I'm good. We begin to think, I'm fine. There's nothing broken inside of me. Here's the problem. When my legs don't work, it's obvious to everybody. But when my hope doesn't work, You can't really see that. Can I give you another word for brokenness? Blind spot. This is an area that you just can't see. Here's what Jesus said when he was preaching about brokenness in John 8, 32. He said, and you shall know the truth. Can I preach it for a second? He said, you don't really know the truth. He said, it's not until you know the truth that you can find freedom. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only problem is he was preaching to church folks. Here's what the church folks told him. They answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants. Leave the verse up. Can I preach it like it's Destiny Church? I've been a member of Destiny Church for the last seven years. I've been a Freedom Conference. I've finished Growth Track. I'm on a dream team, and I'm in three connect groups. I have never been in bondage in my life. How can you say we will be made free? These Pharisees, like us, took offense to the idea that Jesus would even imply that we don't have it all together. They said, we're Israel. We are the chosen, favored people of God. They could not reconcile the fact that they could walk in God's favor and be broken at the same time. Baltimore, I have a random question for you. Have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) Pastor, it's a big book. Uh, You want to be a little bit more specific? (laughs) No just anywhere in the Bible because you could just kind of just like open it up and wherever it falls, Israel was in bondage. Like it starts off with them as slaves to the Egyptians. You turn to the middle, they're slaves to the Babylonians and the Persians and the Medes. At the exact second when they said to Jesus, we've never been in bondage a day in our life, that very second they were slaves to the Roman Empire. Can I tell you what it tells me? It is difficult to face reality. It's difficult to accept the fact that I'm not okay. Listen to me. If the only thing you have vision for is Friday, you're not okay. If you have nothing but vision for the last 10 years of your life, and none of it has come to pass. You're not okay. By the way, let me give you a little test. Let's figure out if you're broken or not. You ready? Inhale. Exhale. If you're breathing, there's brokenness in you. See how we live in a broken world. You can grow up in a house. Pastors as parents homeschooled your whole life. Wait, that's my story. Um, it's just life, y'all. Life hurts. There's car wrecks in life, there's heart wrecks in life. We all have to admit at some season of my life, I'm going to need somebody to carry me to Jesus. Last thing is this: we're going to land this plane. Why is it so complicated to find covenant friends? Because I hate being a burden, because I hate admitting the fact that I'm broken. Because I don't have time for a breakthrough. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. It says, I have neither brother nor friend. And all I have is toil. And he says, I've built nothing but wealth, but it's meaningless. This was spoken by Solomon, what many believe to be the wealthiest human being in the history of the world. And he was one of your type A personalities. He was ambitious, he was driven, he was building, he was building, he was building, and he was so busy he had no time for even his own children. And for so many of us, we just don't have time to build deep relationships. I got things to do. So here are these four friends. They pick that paralyzed man up. They take him to the house. And can you imagine? They're sweating. They're dripping. I don't care how light he was. When you're just walking three inches as to knock, not your leg against the cot, it's exhausting. And when they thought they got to the end of their journey, it had just begun. Based on the way that they built houses, there was probably a rooftop patio. So there was probably stairs up to the roof. They didn't like, you know, throw grappling hooks up and jump on the roof. They probably just carried him up the stairs. And then they dug a hole in the roof and they found some rope and they let him down. And every, I've been reading this story for 17 years. And for 17 years, here's been the only revelation I've ever got. God, where do I find friends that loyal? Where do I find friends that are that committed? Where do I find friends that have my back, that are that committed to my destiny? It was only this message that I saw it in a completely different picture. What kind of person was that paralytic? What kind of friend was he to those four that made them so committed to him? How had he invested in those four for maybe years before? How had he encouraged them? How had he prayed for them? How had he believed in them? How had he been there to the point that now they actually had an opportunity to return the investment that he had made? My name's Steven. I'm going to help you out. So I'm going to jump under this bus, and then Baltimore, Columbia, online, y'all jump under there with me. Y'all ready? How much time do we spend complaining about how everybody else ain't loyal? Come on. You ever thought about that? Man, I look around, and I just don't see anybody like that. I don't see people that love Jesus. I'm like like we're that prophet of the last. I'm the only one who still loves Jesus. I'm the only one that actually honors my people. I'm the only one. Man, I mean, I'm loyal to everybody else. I'm not quite sure about that. Could it be that we're reaping a harvest of our impatience that we've sown into other people? Our disloyalty that we've sown into other people? And if I want to find people that are more committed to my destiny than I am, then maybe I need to be committed to other people's destinies more than they are. it starts with this. Most of us don't really believe that we need anybody else. Like, you know, there's your church belief, and then there's their real belief. Most of us really believe I get it done by myself. And if you're spiritual, greater is he that is in me. That he didn't send the world. I got Jesus. I got all that I need. Here's what Jesus said. He said, when he saw their faith. There is no record in this story of that paralyzed man ever speaking. Jesus looked at the faith of the four friends, and when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. And matter of fact, just because I know everybody's wondering if I'm going to leave you like that, pick up your mat, get up and walk. I'm going to heal your soul, and I'm going to heal your body. Watch this. There are certain breakthroughs that can only come when you got friends believing with you. I don't know why it is, but God just doesn't have a lot of respect for isolation. There's something about community that moves the hand of God that one person by themselves can't do. Matter of fact, he said, if two or three of you would gather in my name, I promise you I'm going to show up. He never said that about getting together by yourself. He said, if two or three of you can agree on anything, I'm going to talk to my dad and it will be guaranteed to be done. He says, if you can come together in unity, I will command heaven to bless you. There are certain levels that your business will never get to. If you're the only one believing for its breakthrough, there's certain influence that you will never have if you're the only one that's committed to it. You need a community of faith. You're going to see all that God has for you. So I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you how I got covenant friends, and I think it'll work for you too. I started committing to people the way that I wanted them to commit to me. I started leaving a little bit of my energy not just to build my dream, but to build other people's dreams. Me me and Zai, we actually had this conversation probably about three or four years ago. We said, which are the friends that we want to treat like family that when their kids have a birthday, they're going to hear from us? And when they have a victory, we're going to get on a plane and we're going to go to them. And when they have a sorrow, we're not just going to send them a car, but we're going to get on a plane and we're going to go carry that. Who are the people that we want to commit to the way that we want them to commit to us? We made a decision. We're going to invest time. Covenant relationships don't happen in six weeks. You could have a divine connection with someone, but you still got to build it. And can I give you the most difficult one? We made a decision. I'm going to sow seeds of vulnerability. That I'm going to stop being fake. I'm going to take off the armor. I'm going to tear down the walls. Say, hey, my name's Stephen Chandler. I'm gifted. I'm anointed. I'm called by God. But I have insecurities. I have fears, I have struggles, this is who I am. Watch this, when you decide to invest on the level that you want to reap a harvest, I promise you ain't gonna be four people. It's gonna be like seven, like 10. You trip and fall and people are gonna be fighting to help you up because of the way that you've invested in their life. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says this. It says, give in the same way you want it to be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your bosom. For in the same measure that you use. This is a problem verse. Because I can no longer blame the people around me. Because I'm getting back biblically what I gave out. He says, in the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Some of y'all get nervous. Like, when did the message end? Are we at offering already? Like, what's going on here? We preached this verse during the offering, but y'all, that's not an offering verse. You can use it in an offering, but it's not an offering verse. You go back to verse 37, guess what it's talking about? It's not talking about money. It's talking about judging other people. It's talking about forgiving other people. It's talking about overlooking offense. Matter of fact, verse 37 is saying this, the way you deal with people is dictating what people are going to deal with you. And if you want to see it pressed down, shaken together and running over in your life, then start the process of sowing into other people's lives in the same way and watch that you will have more people than you could ever imagine that are committed to your destiny more than you are. Well, For the next 10 weeks, we're having our connect group semester. And I'm just, I'm I'm getting old, y'all, so I'm just getting froggy. I'm going to just say it like it is. For the next 10 weeks, 50% of this church is going to waste 10 weeks of their time. Because you're going to go to a connect group. You're going to open up your computer, jump in that Zoom room. You may or may not turn your camera on you will not drop your walls. You ever seen on Zoom how they got the fake background? Because you don't want people to see how dirty your house is. I feel like that's prophetic. Fake background, fake heart. It's all fake. Oh, come on, Pastor. Why you got to do it like that? I don't know. I was just flowing. 50% of this church, y'all going to take a risk this semester. Take the risk of rejection. I'm gonna actually let you see who I really am. There's a chance you don't like me. There's a chance you don't want to deal anything with me. I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay taking another moment by myself. I'm gonna sow seeds of vulnerability and watch God send people into your life. That will carry you places that you could never get to by yourself. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that you said in your word that you take orphans and you place them in families. God, it is not your will that any person should be alone. And God, I pray over every single person in the sound of my voice. God, whether in Maryland sitting in a room or online spread across this world, God, I pray right now that you would knit us together as a family as only you can. Just where you are, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give me a moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I want to talk to people particularly that you want to get to the feet of Jesus, but you feel like you don't have anybody to carry, you feel like, I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, too stubborn, I'm too prideful. Simple question. Will you let me carry you to Jesus right now? Not on Monday, right now. Pastor, how are you going to do that? I'm simply going to lead you in a prayer that's going to usher Almighty God into your life to never leave again. say, Pastor, I don't know how to get there, but I want to get to the feet of Jesus. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Baltimore, online, in the room. Say, Father God, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that nothing can separate me from your love. I am forgiven. My guilt, my shame, my sin washed away. Be my Lord, be my savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on church, can you go crazy? Can you celebrate for every single person that just made? That is why we exist as a church. We are a place that carries people to the feet of Jesus. That- Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.